Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. But hey, we're going to finish up a series called um, Feels, okay, In My Feels. And the whole idea is, man, I really feel like everything has been making me feel like this. We don't want to be led by our emotions, right? We want to be able to give those back to Jesus. And so today I'm going to be talking about everything feels good, but something's missing. Why don't you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy in our lives. And God, your word says in Isaiah that when your word goes forward, it never comes back void. So God, I believe you for that, God, that Lord, that you're going to produce something beautiful and powerful in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I get the absolute honor to be able to lead our uh, middle school and high school small groups. And uh, just so grateful to see what God is doing there. And let, let, me, let me let you in. Um, there are some stories I share with them. And then there's some like Sunday morning stories, right? And so if it's okay with you, I'm going to share more of like a, a youth story with you guys, okay? Is that okay? And so um, in high school... Uh, freshman year, man, me and my friends, we would just, we would just do crazy things for no, for no good reason. And I remember um, at our youth group, um, when I was 14 in, in, in high school, they did this contest. It was called a four by four contest. It's simple. Whoever could eat the fastest four by four from in and out would win a prize. I don't know who came up with that, you know, um, whoever came up with that, but I won pretty much every single time. Me and my friends. It got to a point where it was like, it wasn't fun anymore because we'd crush it every single week. And so finally, hey, like, let's, let's do something different, right? Let's kind of, you know, mix it up. So we went to the In-N-Out, uh, Crow Canyon, Ceremon. And so my friends went, hey, let's do an 8 by 8 Let's do a 10 by 10 And guys, I'm not, I'm not the risk taker usually. I'm not the, hey, I'm going to shut this down. But you know what? I had the shut it down moment. I'm like, guys... Give me the 16 by 16. Like, we're going to do this. So if any of you guys don't know what a 16 by 16 is, 16 patties, 16 cheeses, two, two pieces of bread. You know when, like, you get something to go in and out, and it usually should go vertically, like in the brown box? It was too big for that. It went from side to side laying down. And again, like, my friends were brutal where it's like, man, you're not done. Not until the burger's all the way done and you, but... You, you know, like, the cheese that, that's on the wrapper? Like, you got to eat the cheese, too. Now, that doesn't seem that bad, but when you've spent 25 minutes eating a 16 by 16 cheeseburger, the last thing you want to do is eat cold cheese from a wrapper. Did I spoil your lunch yet? <laughs> and so I, you know, I had that moment where I finished it. I was done. I'm like, I did it. I did it. And then it was like, wait, that's it? <laughs> Like, what's my prize? Like, wh- what did I get out of this? And even I, I told our students, I said, hey, like, did you win anything? I'm like, uh, pride? I don't know. Like, I didn't, like, I, I didn't pay for the burger. Like, there really wasn't, there really wasn't a reward at all. Except for, you know, I did a 6.16. I could tell you guys that. But I think I share that story because often when we look at our lives, everything can feel great. Everything is on point. Everything feels pretty good. But it's like, but something's off. Something's missing. And often if we're not careful, when things start feeling like it's missing, we often go to consuming. 
Where if something miss, is missing, um, I'm going to consume. I'm going to get this. And some consuming isn't bad. Like, I hope you ate today, right? Like, I hope you had some breakfast today. I hope that you did consume some, some food today. But often, if we're not careful, we can go to consuming to try to solve this missing feeling inside of us. For some of us, like, we've done that like with our jobs where it's like, hey, I'm going to get that promotion. I'm going to go after that accomplishment. I'm going to hit that hill. And listen, that drive, that is incredible, but that drive isn't going to solve that missing feeling in your heart. For some of us, it could even be relationships where, gosh, like I need to get that right relationship romantically. I need to find this right person. Maybe it could even be like in a friend circle. It's like, man, I need to find that one friend that's going to be this way with me and this way. But it's like, it's not scratching that missing itch. For some of us, when we have that missing feeling inside of our hearts, we can just go to entertainment. We're going to Netflix and just check out. We're going to play every video game like we can think of. And again, are those things bad? Absolutely not. But can it be used to solve the missing feeling? Absolutely not. And so I want to say that this feeling some of us may be experiencing, if you haven't experienced it yet, you will at some point. I want to say that that is just... That happens outside the church, right? Like, none of us in church have ever dealt with that. And the question is absolutely not again, right? Like, as a human being, we've all experienced that in in some type of way. In fact, when you look at Luke chapter 22, there's this moment where Jesus is with his disciples. Now, the context is, this is the night before Jesus is going to be crucified. And he he says, guys, it's going to go down tomorrow. No more parables, no more stories, none of that stuff. Like, like I'm, I'm going to die. Like, I'm, I'm going to be crucified tomorrow. And this is how the disciples pick up the conversation. Luke 22, verses 24 and 25. They began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Can we pause right there for a moment? Can, 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 we, can we put a little placeholder? So get this picture. Jesus... This is the culmination of his ministry. He has been serving with his team of disciples for three years. Now he's at the end. He needs them the most. And their conversation of choice is, who's the greatest? That'd be almost like if our pastoral staff was in here on a Monday morning. Like, guys, who's got the best jump shot here? Like, who's, got, who's got like the best crossover? But Seth Curry's in the room. You're like, bro, like, you're not talking about your, 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 uh, your jump shot, right? Like with Seth Curry in the room, right? Before you even talk about your crossover, he's probably already crossed you over already. Like you just don't, you just don't do that. And in the same way, but also in a greater way, the one where everything belongs to him, everything is made through him and by him. Nothing happens without the Lord knowing about it who is going to be going to the cross, sacrificing himself for all of humanity, the disciples are asking themselves, who's the greatest amongst us? Now, I've looked at this passage many times, and what's always stuck with me over the years, and it's challenged me, is that the Lord doesn't even say, don't desire greatness. He doesn't say, don't desire to be in that place. What does he say? He says this. Continue. Thank you. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like the servant. 
So what Jesus is saying is, hey, if you desire to be great, okay. Because really what the disciples are saying is, man, something's there, but it's not enough. Everything's okay, but something's missing. And so their gravitation, our gravitation is, something's missing. Let me try to consume. Let me take that next step. Jesus is saying it's actually the opposite. You need to lose your life. Instead of being first, you got to be last. Instead of trying to lord over people, you need to become like a servant. What he's saying is, it's not about what you're consuming, but it's about, man, how are you dying to yourself and becoming obedient? If you're taking notes, you can jot this down, that we can often become over-consumed, but yet under-obedient. Where we're consuming, we're consuming, we're, we're taking things in, but yet we're not asking the question, man, how am I being obedient? Obedience is one of those words where it sounds really good and it may preach really well, but it's hard to do. It could be tough because obedience isn't about what you're going to get, but it's about what you're going to do. Consumerism is like, man, what can I take? But obedience is what can I give? And obedience really has to do with, man, how am I going to keep in step with what God is speaking to me? And so a lot of those moments when God has us in maybe potentially in an uncomfortable season or, th- or, or, we're, or being stretched, a lot of times we, we want a consumption to kind of avoid or to not go to those feelings. But I wonder if sometimes when, the reason why we're in those seasons is because God is trying to produce a holy discontent inside of us. I wonder if some of those seasons where we're, where we're wrestling and we're trying to figure things out. I wonder if God is trying to produce a holy discontent inside of us. You might be asking, what's a holy discontent? Well, we're supposed to be content in Jesus alone, aren't we? Where all of our needs, our, 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 all of our desires, the Lord can meet them, but yet God doesn't want us to be content in our growth with him where there's always something more. There's always a place where God wants to take us. He wants us to be content in him, but he also wants us to be discontent with where he wants to take us. And so one of the uh, people I think of when I think of uh, a holy discontent is the person of Nehemiah. Where Nehemiah, man, he had it good. He was in the palace. He had, man, so much prestige. He was a cupbearer, so there was some danger in his job. He was a guy that said, hey, before you drink the wine, King, let me drink it. Oh, okay, I'm good. Okay, you're good. You can have it now, right? He didn't, he didn't die. But yet when Nehemiah found out that his people's walls were broken down on fire, when he found out that the, that the people were in fear, there was shame, there was disgrace, that the walls represented so much of life to the community of Israel, when Nehemiah found that out, he left the palace he prayed, he fasted, he wept, and God gave him a burden. He gave him a holy discontent to rebuild those walls. Was it easy? No, it wasn't. There was opposition. There was difficulty. The people weren't sure how to do this. They were grieving, but yet God gave Nehemiah a holy discontent. I think in the days that we're living in, it's really easy to want to go back to what's comfortable, to want to go to what's easy, But I'm sure we can look around just at our world and say, wow, business isn't back to usual. 
We're like, man, like there's so tension. There's things that are figuring out. I wonder if God doesn't want, want to get us to be stuck or safe in the pocket, but he wants to produce a holy discontent inside of us. Not in him, but, but with where he wants to take us individually. So my question is simple, but I want to ask to all of us, myself included, is will we choose worldly comfort or a holy discontent? Telling you the worldly comfort, man, it's great, right? Man, like, I love it too. It's great. But what if God wants to birth something inside of us? What if he wants, wants us to make us a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit uneasy, not because he's insensitive to us, but he loves us so much, he wants to take us to the next level. And he wants to grow us. And he wants to deepen us in our relationship with him. And so what I want to do is I want to take us to a familiar passage that many of us have probably known about. Maybe you haven't, but I want to put it in context to a holy discontent that no matter what season of life that we're in, um, this verse applies to all of us as followers of Jesus, okay? So I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 17. It says this, The eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of this age. So I love this. I love this passage because Jesus, if there's one thing that's important to him, if there's one thing that he wants as followers of Jesus to understand is to go and to make disciples. Now that word go to me is so simple, but yet it's so fascinating that when he's telling us to go, he doesn't just mean physically, but there should always be a go in our faith. That our faith is never meant to be stagnant. Our faith is never meant to just be isolated and on its own island. That if we're truly going to grow, there always has to be a go in our faith. It truly is impossible to really grow in God if there really isn't a go in our growth. We have to be growing in our faith. And let me clarify. When I say uh, go, I don't mean like this, um, this part in us where we have to like, you know, I have to do this today and I have to do this task. He's not talking about a doing a religion or doing these tasks. What he's talking about is a response to his goodness. He's talking about a response that in light of what God has done for us and what he's doing right now, how could I not but yet go because of his love? We have to get that inside of our hearts. And so if we're going to grow and keep growing, we got to go and we have to keep going. Now, he tells us to go and to make disciples. Now, I am not a Greek scholar. Far from it. But I've read this passage many times. And it doesn't say, um, okay, um, for all the pastors, go and make disciples. It doesn't say, hey, for all those that feel really spiritual and like, man, I've been walking with Jesus for five years, go and make disciples. You know what it says? Therefore, because I have all the authority in heaven and earth, therefore, just go and make disciples. You know what that means? Oh, I got some like good news and the better news, okay? The, the, the good news is, is that none of us get a pass. 
Hey, it, it was good news. Okay, moving on. <laughs> it's like, like none of us get a pass from going and by discipling, okay? We, none of us get that pass. But here's like the better part is, is that no one gets a pass, but everyone gets to play. Everybody has a play and a part in the body of Christ to go and to make disciples. Now, I'm going to explain what that is in a second. But what discipleship really is, if we were to boil it down, is discipleship is stepping towards Jesus and helping others to step towards him as well. I'll say it again, okay? Discipleship as a follower of Jesus is that I am always stepping towards him, meaning that, man, I want to keep, I love the word that Pastor James gave earlier about intimacy. Is that we want to have intimacy with the Lord, but we never want to stop there. We want to keep going in more and more and deeper intimacy with God. We can never exhaust the love of God. And so we're going to keep growing and stepping towards them. But yet, here's the awesome reality is that we get the opportunity, the privilege, and the responsibility to help others to experience the love of God as well. And often, the reason why things get off or things get unhealthy in our walk with God is we usually choose one or the other by season. Like this season, hey, it's just me and God, and I'm going to have God pour into me and fill me and use me and all this stuff. But yet there isn't an outlet for our faith. And so we're like a sponge where we're under like the biggest faucet in heaven and we're receiving, but yet we can't receive anymore because the sponge has absorbed so much water, it needs to get ringed out. And so we need to have opportunities to be able to really take what God has given us and to give it to other people. I love this, so that church becomes fun when it stops becoming about us. It's so fun. But on the flip side, if we're not careful, we can go to the other extreme where our whole relationship with God is about serving and helping and ministering, which, man, that's incredible, right? Like on the outside, that is so, so important. But yet if we forget ourselves to be intimate with the Lord, if we forget ourselves, right, to keep stepping towards him, it's going to feel like we're serving everybody else, but yet God has forgotten about us. But in reality, we're using our serving of others to hide and not to be with Jesus. So we've got to have both of those realities in our lives is that we need to be stepping towards him. At the same time, we need to be helping others to step towards him as well. I've shared this before, but I, I, I love sharing this. Um, I, I got saved when I was 14 years old. I um, came back to Jesus when I was 18 because I was still a sinner and I still made my own decisions and I, and I walked away. And then at 19, um, I came on staff as a uh, church janitor. And I'm telling you, those... I, those are like, like some of like my best years, just getting to know who Jesus was. Because I can't believe I was getting paid to sweep and mop the floor, put on worship music, and just talk to God the whole day. And so one of the greatest ways I felt like God had formed me and got me ready to lead and to be a pastor was just those moments. That before I got on a platform, I learned how to sweep the floor for the glory of God. Before I led a small group, and I mopped with all the joy of God because I'm like, I'm just happy to be in your house. I get to serve you. I get to worship you. I get to, like, man, wipe this down because, man, it's going to not just impress God, but it's going to make a place for people to experience him. I mean, it was, it was some of my just, oh, it was, it was so formative to me. But I remember my youth pastor at the time, he's like, Chris, I want you to start serving um, 
with middle schoolers. And it was the moment where I was like, okay, you're, you're talking to the person who still acts like a middle schooler. Like, you want me to, like, serve with middle school students? Like, are you sure about this? And I'm telling you, I avoided that invite. I said, no, I don't want to do it. Honestly, I really thought that they wanted me to get up on a platform and to preach to middle schoolers. There was no way that was going to happen. But in my mind, I thought that's what they wanted me to do. What I didn't realize is that all they wanted me to do, well, I thought it was all, was they wanted me to come build relationships, and every other week, I would do an icebreaker. And I didn't realize how just doing that icebreaker and making those middle schools feel so welcomed and loved, how many of them that I saw over four years, five, eight years, where they got water baptized, where they started going into ministry. <laughs> we, were, uh, we were at a conference last, last year with our youth, and I, I probably saw at least three of students that were in my youth ministry from like 12 years ago. And they were serving there. And I thought, an icebreaker <laughs> led to this? Are you serious? And all, all that I was doing is that I'm, I'm going to keep stepping towards Jesus, but yet I'm going to help other people take steps as well. I think often we, we don't step because we don't think our step is big enough. Or we, step, or we think that our step isn't like that person's step. Or we're afraid, what if I step? Isn't the enemy so uh, cunning where... We think that if we step towards Jesus, we should be afraid. It should be the opposite. It should be like, oh, wait, God, like, how, how am I stepping towards you in this season? How am I getting out of my comfort zone, God? Lord, I don't want to be comfortable in, um, in myself. I want to have a holy discontent inside of my heart. God, do that inside of me. And so I'm just wondering today, like, where you might be. Maybe it's both. It's like, gosh, like, I feel like I haven't been stepping towards him. I feel like I haven't been stepping towards people. I'm just, I'm just stuck right now. And can I tell you, like, you're not as far as you think, okay? I love this. In Matthew chapter 25, um, the, the, the context is Jesus is telling a story, a parable, I'm sorry. And he says, guys, here's a master, and there's three different servants. One servant, a servant was given uh, five bags of coins. The second servant was given three bags of coins, and the first servant, uh, third servant, sorry, was given one bag of coins. The first two servants with five and three bags of coins, man, they crushed it. They were faithful. They invested it. They sewered it. And the master said, good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful with little, I'm going to give you more. But yet the first servant, this is what happens to the first servant. The servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man. Notice the picture he had of the master. Harvesting crops he didn't plant and gathering crops he didn't cultivate, I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Notice how he didn't say, oh, it's okay, it's it's fine. He said, hey, you're wicked and you're lazy. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and, and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. So basically what the master is telling the servant is, why didn't you steward what I gave you? Why didn't you take, and again, this is, I don't want to read into the text, but uh, this is just my, you know, me talking verbally right now. I'm wondering if the servant who only got one bag of coins was like, well, I didn't get three bag of coins. I didn't get five. It, it, 
it probably didn't matter as much, you know, like, and then you see too how there was fear, there was comparison. I'm wondering if the first two servants, I wonder if their approach was, I was given five bags of coins by the master. I got to steward that. Like I've got to, I've got to, there, there's some weight there. I need to be able to do something with this. And so following Jesus is about stewarding what he's given to you and what he's shown you. So a lot of times we, we stay stuck because we feel like, gosh, I got to figure this out and this out. What has God already given to you? What, what has he already spoken to you? Like, God isn't asking you to take all the steps. All he's saying is, what's your next step today in this moment? Maybe for some of us, he's asking, what's the step you've been running away from? What's the step where it's like, you know, as a kid, when you knew your parents were coming in and you did something wrong and you were like, and you pulled the covers over your head and you just were faking that you were sleeping, everyone knew you weren't sleeping. <laughs> is, there, is there maybe a place that you've been pulling over the covers with the father? And maybe like that last servant, you're saying, hey, I, I knew you were a harsh man, so I just hit it. What if your heavenly father isn't a harsh man? What if he's a good father and he wants to take that coin that he's given you and he wants to help you steward it? I believe, I believe he wants to this morning. You know, about a month ago, we had our Freedom Conference and um, I had the opportunity and privilege to be able to be one of the speakers. And I'm on our teaching team, so I wasn't too nervous about it, but I was a little nervous because we were talking about some deep things like shame, unforgiveness, things like that. And I'm preparing my, uh, my, my, my messages. And you know when, like, you're preparing for something that you're supposed to be teaching, but yet you're seeing holes in yourself? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm teaching all shame, and God's showing me, ooh, there's still some shame there. There's still, there, there's still some fear. There's still some hiding tendencies in there. And so I came to the Freedom Conference. I was pumped. I had high expectation in Jesus. But yeah, I was like, ooh, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous right now. And I remember... It was the first night I was sitting in the front row over there, and I had my hands out, and I, I felt the presence of God. And I am speaking to my heart and saying, Chris, can you carry what I want to give to you in this season? And I, I thought, I, I think so. Is that a true question? No, I can't. Like, what's, what's the right answer? And the more, the more I processed it, I realized like what the Lord was saying to me is that I want to give you something that you can earn. I want to give something that you actually can't carry yourself, and that's the point. It's going to require you to be obedient to me and for you to experience what it's like to not do things on your own, but to do it with me. You can't carry what I want to give to you, but you can if you trust me with it. So I want to ask you that same question the Lord asked me in a different way is, are you stewarding your next step? Are you, are you taking what God has given you right now and are you stewarding it or are you burying it? It could be your step towards God or it could be helping others to step towards him as well. Now, I want to shift gears for a second is I know we've been talking about us and God and people, but this is, can't be vertical. It has to be with people as well. How many of you guys know that our walk with God is not just meant to be us and God, but it's meant to be with people as well? And so I love what Ecclesiastes says in chapter 4, um, verse 9 through 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, then the other person can reach out and help. 
but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. That's one way of putting it. I experienced this this week. So we were, uh, Laura and I, we do a marriage equip group um, at, at our house. And it was our first, we moved to Pleasanton about a month ago. So it was our first time having people over our house in an official way. So we were excited. We had, we had people online. We had people in, in, um, in our house. And so I was getting ready to start the group. Everything's ready, right? We were having some Zoom problems. So I remember I leaned in to try to fix the computer. And guys, it was like slow motion. The chair just flipped up out of me. I fell down. I was like, you know what? My smoke career is over. It's done. I, I don't know if you guys are feeling my pain right now. 20 people were watching me fell as I was leading a small group. And I thought this is over. This is like, that's it. And then my gracious wife, I could tell she's holding back her laughter. I'm like, you know what? I'm so glad that we're in a marriage group together. This is great. One of the people in our group was like, hey, that's a, that's a great way to do an icebreaker, buddy. I was like, listen, that's not helping me. <laughs> but yeah, I had this thought where we're all going to fall, right? Like none of us would be too prideful to think that we're going to have it together. But we get to choose that are we going to fall into community or are we going to fall outside of it? And so, so many of us like, man, we go through things that maybe we don't even realize and maybe we're actually even in a small group or we have a community of people, but we're really not. We're talking to them, but we're really not sharing with them. We're not telling them, like, man, what is God? And I'm not, I'm not even talking about sin, but I'm talking about, man, what is God stirring in you? Maybe there is a holy discontent and you don't know what to do with it. Are you sharing your life with somebody else? Two is better than one. If one falls, you can help the other person up. But pity the person who falls, but... They don't have anybody to help pick them up. I love this passage as well in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. That word to motivate, it doesn't mean like a motivation speech. It, the, the Greek word means to provoke. It means to agitate, as in like what, what the author of Hebrews is saying, that we should be so close in proximity with people in our lives. We should be so close in depth that we should be agitating. We should be provoking with permission for them to move closer to God and to move closer to other people. We need to have those people in our lives. But also, we need to motivate, I'm sorry, encourage. The word encouragement, a, a better word would probably be to exhort, the, the, the Greek word for that is parakletos. And parakletos is the same word for the Holy Spirit, meaning that the author of Hebrews wants us to provoke with permission, but he also wants us to come alongside of people, to encourage them, exhort them. God has more for your life. And here's why. We need to provoke. We need to encourage. Because some people are neglecting meeting together. That... Your commitment to Christ is going to last longer in Christ-centered community. That your commitment of following him, discipling, and really doing life with Jesus, it's going to be the most strong when you're in community with other people. A couple weeks ago, we were going to have Grove Track. Um, we canceled it, but then last second, oh, wait, we can do it. And so um, I used my computer for Grove Track, and I left it at home. Thankfully, it was only five minutes away, so... 
I, um, in between services, I left, and I was going down Main Street, and it was kind of a surreal experience, because, you know, second service, I'm usually not going down Main Street, you know, like grabbing some food or hanging out, but there was so many people out there, and my heart was like, it was just breaking, and it wasn't like, you should be in church, or what's wrong with you, it was like, like, I wonder if you know the Lord, I, I, I wonder, I wonder if you know how good he is, I wonder if maybe you knew the Lord, but through this last year and a half, and it's just been so crazy and hard and tensions, I wonder if you're struggling right now. I just, my mind went everywhere, and I was like, gosh, this is why we need the body of Christ. Not just for ourselves, but for us to contribute, to provoke permission, to encourage. Commitment will always last longer in Christ-centered community. So let me close with this. It's really basic, really simple. But I felt like if you really answer them with your heart this week, I think it's going to really help. What is your next step towards Jesus? I know for me, my best seasons with Jesus is when I tangibly know, not information, but I know what is God speaking to me in this season and how does he want me to step? When I know that, oh, I have direction. But when that's kind of funny, when that's a little gray, when I haven't been making that time to listen, I can go from task to task, event to event, thing to thing, and not really do it with Jesus. So I want you to ask the Lord this morning, this week, what is my next step towards you? And it could be an intimacy. It could be about helping other people to step. But what does that look like for you in this season? And then also, how are you helping others to step as well? How are you helping others to step closer to Jesus? And like I said, you don't got to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to have a Christian degree to help people. All that you need to do is to steward what's God given to you and help others to experience it as well. And so as we close this morning, I want to remind all of us that what if God is producing a holy discontent inside of you right now? And what if he's shifting you out of comfort and it's not about what you should consume, but how he wants you to be obedient? And what if if we were to listen to God's voice in this season, what God might do inside of us this morning? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for just what you're doing in our hearts, God. I thank you, God, that you love us so much, Lord, that you want to not leave us in our comfort, but God, do you want to move us to going? Move us to action. God, move us, God, towards you. So I pray, Lord, that we would allow you, God, to bring some holy discontent in our lives. And maybe you're here today and you've never, you haven't decided to make Jesus your Lord and Savior today. Can I tell you, he died the death you should have died. He lived the life that you should have lived. And eternal life in him is not earned, but it's just received by faith because of the grace he's made available through his son, Jesus. So that's you this morning. And if you've never taken that step before, and but you want to take that step towards Jesus and to decide that he is your Lord and Savior today, I'm just going to ask you just to look up at me today while everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And I would agree with you in prayer. Hallelujah. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to those that are in person and online. God, that you are renewing people's strength. God, that you're giving them courage, God, when they felt weak.
God, you, you are giving peace, God, where there's been anxiety. God, you're, you're, you're bringing passion again where there's been apathy. So I pray, God, you would fill us afresh with your spirit, God. Over, over, overflow, God, with your spirit in our lives. Lord, that we would steward what you've given us, God. Not, not squander it, but God, that we would steward it, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen and amen. Can we give God some glory right now? Hallelujah. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.